0: Function Room 40, H2O, with Catherine Sheridan. Catherine Sheridan is an engineer and systems thinker who, after 20 years working on water, roads and energy, is focused now on a tiny, powerful, magic little molecule, hydrogen. We talk about secondary school physics experiments, making the world a fairer place, why the poetry of Robert Graves and the short stories of David Foster Wallace can teach us about the maths of molecules, why we need silver shrapnel rather than silver bullets. There's a little plug for MyGug, a magic egg made in Cork that turns your food waste into heat and why we need to start hiring carbon accountants.
1: Hi, I'm Catherine and I'm an engineer by uh, training, I suppose. And what I do is I apply systems thinking uh, in the sustainability space to add shared value for uh, customers and clients and people that I work with.
0: And who are your customers and clients?
1: So people who want to change how they're doing um, their business so that they can move towards a future that is, uh, in the energy space anyway, is sustainable, uh, affordable and secure.
0: And you mentioned energy there, and that's why we're chatting today. It's it's not just any old energy. Uh, I've seen a headline from 2022 that you're recognised as one of the world's top women in hydrogen, uh, which is not everybody is, is a top woman in, in hydrogen. Uh, that's an amazing accolade. What does hydrogen mean to you? For me, hydrogen is like the first thing in the periodic table of the elements. It's half of the water and yeah. uh, something to do with the sun. But literally, hydrogen is bubbling up in conversation now. How did you get into hydrogen, if that's not a weird question, given that we're all <laughs> in it by default?
1: So um, the great news is that as Captain Hydrogen, I came with my own cape. So it's fantastic. (laughs) Um, I came to Hydrogen via water. So um, there's a great quote, and it says, if there's magic on this planet, it's contained in water. I live down by the sea in East Cork. And... um, went to school in St. Mary's where we were uh, ruined for life because we were told we could make a difference and we could save save the planet. And for me, what that meant was to do interesting work that has a societal benefit. So having water is such a strong part of what I do. I got into engineering and was working in water and really, really enjoyed protecting our planet, working with local authorities and, and helping set up Irish water. But then I realised around 2017 that I could better make a difference in the energy space. So at the time, Irish Water and Gas Network Ireland were part of the same company. So I took a sidestep into that part of the business and started really working on it. So for me, um, when I look at problems, I kind of go through them all the whole way to the end. And there's fantastic, wonderful people working in the electricity space. But when we get to 2050, only half of our end energy uses can be met with electricity. So we're going to need something that's based as a molecule in 2050. And today that's fossil fuels. And in the future, it needs to be a molecule because it's better for transporting energy or storing it in sometimes. So that's where hydrogen comes into its own.
0: So when it comes to electricity and supplying energy, it's current, it's AC, it's DC. It's really good at some things and then it struggles with others. Is that right?
1: Yeah, so... Electricity is amazing. When you turn on your light switch, uh, current is coming into your electricity system from an energy source somewhere else, be it a wind turbine or a power station. It's that instantaneous. But when you look at it for other things, for things that you can't plug in, like transport, like aeroplanes, like high heat industries, it's not as good for that. So, So
0: So just to interrupt, you're not connected to a grid. You need energy now, quickly, up a mountain, down a mine, up in the air, out while walking.
1: No, I do. I still use electricity. Actually, yeah. the thing is I'm a major electricity fan. Yeah. Right. We should reduce our demand. We should insulate wherever possible. We should build out our grid and we should get renewables. And you should use electricity first. Use electricity yeah. for transport. Use electricity every single way you can. But you can't do it for everything. Yeah. So if you're flying a plane, the weight of the batteries that you would need to fly that plane would mean that you probably couldn't get up off the ground. OK, they, so that's when you do something else. If you want to store energy for a long period of time, the amount of batteries that you would need would be excessive and the amount of minerals and precious metals that are used would be yeah. excessive. So that's when you might use hydrogen.
0: So a battery stores the kind of electrical energy in in liquid is it? it it's like in it, it needs form. a big in chemical form which means yeah. that you need a load of weight of sorry other stuff that isn't energy but allows the energy to be tapped you know whatever is in a battery yeah like if it does acid, like it used to be acid <laughs> yeah, or whatever it,
1: it is you, and it's it's just i suppose if we if we zoom back out so um energy is the ability to do work and when we convert, say, renewable sources of energy from wind into electricity. That's one conversion. And that's why you'd use electricity every time you can. But if you're trying to store loads of energy so that in the future, when there's no wind blowing or there's no sun shining, if you have the energy stored in a molecular form, it allows you to convert it back into electricity for when you need it. So electricity is the, the, the main way that the decarbonized system of the future is going to use energy but it's not enough on its own
0: yeah and so the advantage of the molecule be the molecule of water that turns into hydrogen or the hydrogen gas itself is it can be piped it's analogous to electricity because you're sending energy potential down a, down a line or it's it can be floated or it can be you know like it can be easily carted around it's light and the the power the energy is stored in the bonds between each um, molecule. Is that right? So
1: it's it's kind of like we're so used to energy in molecular form. We're used to it. And say, say natural gas. So natural gas is CH4. And that's the carbon, the bit we don't want, and the H, the hydrogen, the bit that we do. So what happens when we're using electricity to create hydrogen from water? We're separating out the H2 from the O, And that means we've got the hydrogen, but it's all just energy. So the energy was wind. Then it became electricity. Now the energy is in the hydrogen. And then we can use that energy in the hydrogen. We could either burn it to create heat, another form of energy, or we could convert it back into electricity.
0: So this, in in terms of systems thinking and kind of getting back to the maths of it, you have this problem so, so so some people are working on battery storage and grids that's one area that's one major pillar in taking the we'll say the the dirty burning out of energy which i suppose is what yeah. carbon based fossil fuels is cuz burning can still happen if this if the byproduct is i don't know vapor or something else or or i don't know what happens what happens when you burn hydrogen by the way what comes out
1: so if you use hydrogen in a, in a bus yeah. uh, what comes out of the tailpipe is water yeah yeah because you're recombining it with the air and the hydrogen comes back together so the byproduct is water. Okay. So in relation to I forgot your question Colin. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. No.
0: I got I got sidetracked in the middle of the question uh excited Everything by the this, by the by the prospect sitting. of uh burning burning hydrogen. So you you're looking at you're standing right back and um yeah. and one set of people are looking at wires and yes. transferring current along a grid and they're looking at storage and load they're looking at generation they're looking at turbines like converting you know space energy from the sun and yeah. wind energy from the fact that the planet turns in particular from heat like the in yeah. unequal heating of the planet uh, just tapping that in inverted commas for free and turning that into electricity and then you are in the area of i need we need molecules as well to replace the molecules we have. So so there's a system at the moment based on fossil fuels. That's a molecular-based energy thing that does, you know, heats homes. It's responsible for the hottest of cutting torches in, you know, in steelworks or enormous machines, you know, with tires, the height of tractors. So they need serious amounts of power immediately miles away from a grid. So is the system... Talking about replacing one molecule with another, and what's the challenges? Because you're not mining the past; you're getting molecules from the present. So, what? Yeah, what does a system person, when they look at that from a from a distance, and uh, we, I want we want we where maths fits in, we will we can mention it. I don't want to shoehorn it in artificially, but you know what? Yeah. When you step back from it, what do you look at? What, what kind of questions do you ask?
1: Yeah. So, so many exciting things that you said there. Systems thinking is like a form of using Venn diagrams from maths, you know? So if you think about it, if you just wanted an energy system, you'd burn fossil fuels away, sure, it's great, but you don't, you want it to be sustainable. So then you have to overlap those two circles. Uh, And then you also want it to be affordable. So you want it secure, affordable, and sustainable. And then that's where you're looking at, well, that's where systems thinking comes in. But in fact, if we don't look at energy and we look at emissions and we think, where do the emissions come from? Because the planet doesn't care where the emissions come from. They don't care if they come from agriculture, if they come from materials or if they come from energy. So with systems thinking, you can't just arbitrarily pick one part of the problem and say, I'm going to solve that first and then I'll go on to the next bit and then I'll go on to the next bit. So with the electricity, I'm saying we need to use electricity as uh, electricity wherever possible, but we actually need to do more than that we need to use the electricity to create hydrogen so that it can replace the fossil fuels. But even more than that, we need to use it to replace the fossil fuel-based hydrogen that is used on all the materials. So there's a great book by a guy called Vaclav Smil, it's called How the World Works. And what it looks at is, what are the materials that the world is made from? So it's made from things like concrete and steel, and um, plastics and then also how do we feed the world you know all of these things rely on hydrogen so just say the food bit we're trying to decarbonize agriculture we need to feed more people in the world so we need more ammonia so ammonia is nh3 At the Mm -hmm. moment, and we talked about the CH4 earlier. So the hydrogen and ammonia comes from fossil fuels.
0: The ammonia is in farming parlance. Mm -hmm. It's part of the 10, 10, 20 in a bag of fertilizer. It's the crucial.
1: It's it's what it is. It's like, it's like, so your soil is better able to produce food for the planet. Yeah. At the moment you do that by getting your fossil fuel based ammonia. But we need to stop using fossil fuels, not just for energy. So. We've got electricity that we're using for electricity, and now we need it to make hydrogen so that we can use the hydrogen instead of fossil fuels. But also we need to use it as the hydrogen in steel, the hydrogen yeah. that's used in ammonia, and it keeps on going on like this. Yeah. So we need, as a system, thinking we can't just say, let's only fix the electricity problem first and then go on to all the other things. We have to say we want to use the energy that we have In abundance, So the future exists, it's just not evenly distributed. So we have all the energy and all the technology that we need, but we're just not using it to address all the problems. Instead of doing things in parallel, we're doing things in sequence and we're using the wrong boundary conditions on it. So on that electricity piece, instead of considering how fast could we build out the grid in Ireland and using that as our limiting factor, instead of that, if we said, how much energy have we got? And we Mm. scaled appropriately to that. So the scale of the problem should dictate the scales of the action that we take.
0: And I suppose if you asked anyone working in any area of the economy, how much energy do we actually need? That figure isn't to hand. They'd probably just say how much their area needs.
1: When we hear on the radio, bravo, today Ireland was powered by 100% renewable energy. And then it sounds great. And what that means is it sounds like we're making progress There's no problem. Keep living as you're living. You don't really need to worry about it. But then if you decode that and you consider it, okay, it means that at this instance in time, 100% of our electricity demand was met with renewable energy. So if you ask somebody, okay, so how much of the emissions would be solved in Ireland if we were able to go 100% renewable electricity 100% of the time? We'd actually only reduce our emissions by 16% it's tiny because yeah. electricity is only one part of the problem. We need to use the energy that we have to solve all of our problems and we need to do it in parallel, not just electricity first and then keep on going.
0: Stepping back for a second just so what do we know, we know that we've loads of wind, we're fairly confident that's all is going to blow. That would be uh, a primary that creates the energy you're saying it creates electricity so the electricity is used to split water into hydrogen and oxygen is that right is that the electrolysis we might have That's learned
1: in school it's the exact same as that you pass the current through it um through water and you separate the bonds between the h2o and then yeah. it comes back as h2 and o2
0: and you you make a tank of hydrogen
1: you make a and, tank of hydrogen and it's and- you yes, pipe sir. that
0: ashore or put it in ships?
1: So there's a couple of different things you can do. Mm-hmm. So in relation to where you'd have it. So you could create a combined unit in Energy islands where you have wind turbines and you make the hydrogen at that location and you pipe that hydrogen ashore. Or you could take the hydrogen, the electricity ashore and make the hydrogen there. Okay. So then there's some really cool ways of transporting your hydrogen. Hydrogen is 14 times lighter than the air. Yeah. So it's less dense. So it's kind of difficult to transport in that way. So you can condense it into a liquid, but then you need, it's really, really cold. So you need to keep Mm. it at that temperature and that's energy intensive as well. Yeah. So one of the other solutions they've done is um, liquid organic carriers. So there's a chemical that you can attach your hydrogen to and then it's stable, transport it over to its destination and take the hydrogen off at that location. And then you've got your empty carrier fuel that you can send back to get more hydrogen to
0: reuse. Yeah.
1: So all the technologies are there. Like we've been using hydrogen for decades. I'm here in East Cork and hydrogen is used in oil refining in the um, Irving refinery down the road. We've got the um, we've got the technology around it, And again, from systems thinking, we can't say people who work in oil and gas are bad. Yeah, because we can't other anyone in a system. We need their technology and their expertise. We just need them to reorganize it and reorientate it towards a, a net zero future.
0: Okay, I thought for one minute there you were gonna that the hydrogen was going to be floated across the country in giant zeppelins or airships. No, that's too dangerous. I presume is it that's uh, too dodgy.
1: So energy has the ability to do work, and therefore all energy is dangerous. If you were coming up with a energy system for scratch, you wouldn't come up with petrol and a lie donkeys like normal humans, including myself, to go and fill it in at a petrol station. You come up with a different solution. So all energy is dangerous. The things I like about hydrogen, it's 14 times lighter than air. So if it escapes from a pipe, it just goes straight up into the sky. It's also non-toxic. So because if you had a hydrogen release, it would just float away at 42 miles an hour, off it goes. So all energy is dangerous and everything should be regulated. It's really important that you have robust regulation. Mm. Same as you do for transporting any chemicals or any fuels today.
0: When I hear about hydrogen, I hear uh, lots of exciting, uh, people very excited by it. I hear a lot of, this is just, you know, a person not really listening properly. I hear grumbling that the amount of energy you have to put in versus what you get out where where is the, so what's the equation? So you get, so, so let's say for argument's sake, so you're generating it, uh, you've got your turbines and they obviously have, they have their own cost and there's planning required and, you know, seabirds and views and all, let, let, put that to one side. But anyway, you get your wind and that's in theory for free, spins the turbine around. So that once you've paid the initial cost of the turbine, both in carbon, money, time or whatever, and let's say it's, it's 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 generating freely. Wheels are going round. There's a magnet, and electricity pops out the other side. That electricity is thus far. You're sort of in profit, right? You divert a chunk of that into splitting some water into hydrogen and oxygen, and then you transport that by whatever way. Wh- why do I hear? Lots of grumbling about hydrogen, that the amount of energy you have to put in to get it out, to get out, that the profit margin in terms of energy isn't high enough? Or is it a sort of, look, it's not 100% profit, it's 8%, but that's still amazing. Or what? What? what's the kind of margin? And I'm purely talking about energy and carbon
1: yeah, rather I, than
0: money, if you know what I mean, for now.
1: the The way you've described it, I'd say the people you're listening to are completely right in what they're saying if you solely think in terms of energy. However, to quote Thoreau, the true cost of anything is the amount of life that you exchange for it. So we can't just think in terms of energy and money. We have to broaden it out to include things like carbon um, and the amount of carbon that's emitted if you use molecule-based solutions that aren't hydrogen. So if we burn coal, what is the cost of that? So there's the carbon that's emitted, there's the uh, impact on public health from the air pollution in relation to it. There's also the um, exploitation of it and the uh, societal costs of taking fossil fuels and the geopolitical instability that it contributes to. So would you use hydrogen where you could use electricity? Absolutely not, you shouldn't. But the instances where you can't use electricity and you don't want to create societal inequity, then you should use hydrogen. How do you put a cost on that? Well, you can do it for carbon, Um, but the alternative is we don't have energy. We don't have enough energy available to create electricity when the sun isn't shining and the wind isn't blowing. So the answer is both yes and no. So yeah. We wouldn't use hydrogen because if because it's changing it's changing energy from one form to the other. Yeah. So if you think about it, like you know, when you're boiling the kettle, you're converting wind into electricity into heat. Yeah. Whereas there's like all those changes, and each change to change from one state to another uses energy itself. Yes. So, yeah. You know, like it's the same way as to look at it, like for transport, if you could go on a boat that was powered by a sail, that would be better than converting it into electricity, storing yeah. it in a battery and then using an electric boat.
0: Yeah. So so I guess what I'm trying to figure out is like, if, if we were to put like arbitrary numbers, let's say in a dream scenario, right? You're getting a, a million worth of energy, forget the units or whatever, and you're yeah. getting that for free, right? And you've got your generating system built up and then you've got your electricity in one side and then you're molecules in the other so there's there's clear with electricity there's energy generated that you can't use right now because the grid's going to be overloaded so you're going to store some of it in batteries and divert some into hydrogen so to make hydrogen at the point at which you're in the bus using it or with the welding torch in your hand in the steel works or in the ammonia works or whatever. Do we know yet what the margin is of the hydrogen you're getting out versus the yeah. the energy you put in to get it? Like is is, is there a profit of is it ten percent or twenty no, percent?
1: Uh, like a round figure for um a hundred units of energy that you have in electrical form, yeah. you might use thirty of them to get the amount of hydrogen out of it. So you're left with seventy Units of energy.
0: Okay, all right. Yeah,
1: there there or thereabouts. I feel so uncomfortable leaving the answer at that. I know. Yeah, the whole thing is, it's like you know, you wouldn't do it if um, you wouldn't do it if you didn't have to. Yes, but also,
0: also, I don't think anyone has to hand the sheer amount of energy required in digging coal out of the ground or or piping oil out, like in the you know these kind of this this stuff where you know there's pictures of child laborers mining you know, cobalt in the Congo yeah. and it's like, this is the cost of your batteries, but there's no uh, comparable photos of assassinated human rights workers in the Ni- the Niger Delta for this is the cost of your oil. So yeah. like, the, the some, I don't know what the name of the fallacy is, but there's some sort of fallacy which suggests that the cost of the new thing, because it has any cost at all, it's yeah. terrible. Whereas we're just standing on top of the cost of the old thing, completely oblivious and unaware of it.
1: And I would build on that because the big thing for me is, um you know, in, in maths terms, like, so what I do with maths is I've picked up tools along the way, like a magpie seeing shiny things and saying, oh, I'll take yeah. that for later. So the one that I really like is this idea of the traveling salesman problem where, you know, you, we know where we are, we know what we've got to do and we know where we want to get to. So we want to get to a net zero economy.
0: Yeah. And just, just to backtrack, the traveling salesman problem is that they have to visit, What's the minimum amount of miles they can do to visit all the states of America or the provinces of Germany or whatever in order to maximize the amount of sales for the amount of, for want of a better word, diesel or time they burn yeah. to get there, is it?
1: Or, or how can you minimize the amount of time? What's the shortest yeah. path? What's the shortest path that you can take? So if we're taking, and again, it's back up to the systems thinking, we're trying to have a net zero economy by 2050. But we're also trying to address the other UN Sustainable Development Goals where we protect life on land, we protect life on sea, uh, we give access to education. You know, we're trying to do all these things. So in relation to the history that we have, where we try to get access to loads of energy, we found out information about the impact that it has. And that was kind of colonialism, where Mm. we took resources from other countries And we prevented them from developing at the same pace that we were in, say, um, Europe for kind of just to make it an easy conversation. So we know that now. And Mm. now we're trying to say, how do we meet all our sustainability development goals in the shortest time possible? And we know that we shouldn't do that again. So when we're looking at the energy solutions, if we're looking at hydrogen, we're going to need less batteries. So we're going to have less impact on developing countries. But the other bit is, If we use the wind that's available to us in Europe to create hydrogen, we're preventing the need to export hydrogen from countries like Namibia or other countries that have loads of resources, and we're leaving them use their own resources to develop at their own pace and have those high value industries there. So again, when we look at the true cost of anything, it's what is the opportunity cost that if we... You know, if we use something as trivial as money as a proxy for value. Yeah. We're leaving so much value on the table.
0: Coming up in part two, the concept of silver shrapnel or how and why we need to do everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. And just on that, if you have eight different ways of measuring value, though, who decides the the weighting? and therefore the score and how well you're doing. So you, uh, you were talking about balancing the su- sustainable development goals and carbon and general in- iniquity. And is the answer that getting, in exam terms, getting a good high C in all of them <laughs> is is about all we can do because are there some things that simply cannot be solved, that there are zero-sum games within trying to fix everything? So when you're stepping back as a systems thinker, do you go the highest average goodness we can do across all the things, taking into account the different methods of measuring, you know, money, time, justice, carbon, that the best we can do is get 68 out of
1: 100, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So it's interesting. So I'll come at it from two sides. One should never have a favorite child. One should never have a favorite sustainable development goal. But mine is number seven, access to clean and affordable energy. Because I think if you provide that, you can address the others the best. So, for example, if a child has access to energy, they can study after they've done their chores. So they can rise themselves out. So that's kind of one way of looking at it, that it's not a zero-sum game. And the other one is there is a uh, project drawdown, which looked at all the things, 100 steps that would need to happen for us to get to a state where we're drawing carbon down from the atmosphere. And... If you combine two particular actions, you would have the most impact on drawing yeah. down carbon. And those two combined were giving women access to education and also supporting families with family planning. Yeah. So none of these things happen in isolation. Yeah. And all of the solutions will have a compounding effect if we progress them in parallel. Yeah. If we progress them in series. What's happening is we're going to get there eventually, hopefully, but it'll just take us way longer yeah. and we may reach tipping points for the climate before we get there
0: and is uh, and I presume stuff like everyone having a toilet is like ridiculously high up the list of impacts as well too in terms of but it doesn't get it, it doesn't get mentioned because people don't talk about it at swanky conferences and boardrooms and that kind of thing is is the idea that of when you're looking at stuff, in terms of systems and almost mathematically, that you're it allows you to strip away bias or your own preconceptions about impacts of various things or whether one thing is more glamorous than the other or whether you're more interested in it. So if you look at 100 things, the weighting you're looking at in terms of its impact is pure rather than uh, biased by any any one particular person's background in terms of what they'd like to see fixed first.
1: All of that, and it allows you to carry out thought experiments. It allows you to sort of say, "Okay, well, what would the impact of this be and how could we make it better? So the better solutions are informed by mathematical models, but also by a diversity of thinking in the rooms where decisions are made. So it's not enough to have your mathematicians. You also need your, your poets Because there's more than one way of coming to the same conclusion. So, you know, we were talking there about the traveling salesman problem and this idea of depth first search, where you 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 go down one path and you see and you get information and then you go back and you say, actually, it would have been better if I took a different decision and I went another way. Well, sure, the poets came up with that as well. So Robert Frost's poem of two roads, so you know, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and I took looked down one as far as I could. And and so it goes on. Yeah. So the poets are looking at it in one way, in a more compelling way. And yeah. the mathematicians and the two combined can give you the solutions. Because, you know, love numbers would love to roll around in them all day, um, <laughs> make silly jokes in relation to them. But nobody was ever stirred to compelling action by a spreadsheet. Yeah. It's the story. So we need to combine all of these to bring them all into the room where we're making the decisions
0: what kind of rooms are you in these days having those kind of chats what's what's um when you look down the line what do you see in five years time that excites you
1: the one that's kind of as i say i'm a magpie for ideas so like i find something that's interesting so the one that really gets me at the moment is energy storage and coming up with modular solutions in relation to it um and this all this idea of like there are solutions in nature that exist. And I don't mean nature as in just plants. I mean, just in the forces of nature. Yeah. Um, so looking at them and how could we exploit them in a different way in relation to it. So when you do system thinking, you, you broaden out the piece. So um, you start looking at the the world that you're in that we may have been invisible. So I, I, I'm stealing from um, a, I uh, think it's David Foster Wallace in relation to this idea of there was, two young fish swimming along and they meet an older fish and the older fish says, morning lads, how's the water? And they go on another bit. And one of the young fish turns to the other and says, what's water? Yeah. So sometimes we're going along in these systems and we're blind to them. But if we pause and realize the system we're in, we can find additional solutions that have been there the whole time, but we just haven't been considering them in that context. And that's kind of why I've ended up with hydrogen. So Water's there the whole time. We're used to using molecules. We've got a level of society that's built up based on that, about being able to store energy in molecular form. But there's more solutions now that are out there, and that's what's exciting to me.
0: And do you have to overcome preconceptions then about hydrogen? What do people say to you, apart from <laughs> ignorant things that I might say to you? What what else are people saying that is rooted in maybe Mixed Because in some ways, I don't think people have made the distinction between electricity and molecules in the sense that you hear an awful lot of people shouting about what happens when the wind doesn't blow as if it's never occurred to anyone. Is that a kind of an education piece where we all need to learn about the fact that there's two different types of energy, the one that kind of you turn on and the one that you carry around with you? And some of the stuff you carry around with you is not a battery.
1: Yeah, I would say there's a, a a jewel piece, it's it's like hydrogen is not great for hydrogen's sake. It's like I think everyone should wear um hold in mind it's just a vector. You know, hydrogen is just a vector. It's just a way of storing energy, the same way electricity is. So I think that if we stop thinking of some magical silver bullet that's gonna come along and solve everything and think of it as silver shrapnel that we yeah. need like the Hollywood movie, you know, everything yeah. everywhere all at once. So we need to do all the things in relation to it. Um, the bits that my dad would talk to me about hydrogen are, but isn't it really dangerous? You know, that's the natural one. So a couple of things have um, stolen a march on, you know, that idea of first narrative, what's the story that gets out there? Yeah. So the two that kind of would need to be um, addressed if I was trying to um, bring people on to Team Hydrogen, one would be about um, the hydrogen bomb. Yeah. So while that was bringing uh, atoms together and molecules together at high pressure and high heat to collapse into each other, electrolysis can happen in room temperature, in atmospheric pressure, like we do in our second year science labs. Yeah. It's the separating of hydrogen and oxygen. Yes, yeah. So that's kind of one. And then the other one, of course, is the Hindenburg disaster. Yeah. So the Hindenburg disaster was caused by. Um, Hydrogen as the fuel source, and then the spark on the pig bladder of the, the, the airship and it not being able to discharge. So, yeah, it, it so was this was force. static,
0: was it? From built up, it was and a static scra- scraping against the air,
1: that's it. And then, yeah. but the whole point on that is there's no Formula One cars that drive with hydrogen. Um, and mm. what happens is the tanks that the hydrogen is you could shoot a bullet at it and it wouldn't pierce them. So, yeah. it's like that technology piece that moves on. But it's the same, you know, when we think of energy, we have to think of it as something that's wonderful, but also has to be minded. And that's why we're so lucky we live in a society where there's regulation. Yeah. But there's actually another molecule that I think is really worth mentioning, and that's biomethane. So okay. it's 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 another, another solution to it, and it's really important. So biomethane is made from anaerobic digesters where you put in feedstocks like grasses or food waste. And you heat it up. And what it does is it gives off a gas that's called biogas. Mm-hmm. And that's a mixture of CH4, methane, and carbon dioxide. Okay. But you can take that gas and you can use it the same way you'd use hydrogen. you yeah. use it in, as a fuel and different things. Really relevant for us in Ireland.
0: And uh, what's the letters in, a, in biomethane? What are the N's and the H's and the C's and all that?
1: So mostly it's CH4. So yeah. it's biogas, you can take it. So biogas is kind of half CH4 and half CO2. So you can take the CO2 out and then you've got your CH4. You can just put it in and you can displace natural gas that's there today and you can okay. use biomethane instead.
0: And, and just so we're clear about that. So you get your, you've get you got your literally free shit and food like that's that we're go- we were going to be doing something with anyway. Yeah. Now, there is a caveat and all that, isn't there? Because you have to be careful with things that take the waste away really well from a from a system that you're trying to yeah. slightly rain in so if you say in agriculture look we've no problem anymore with all the effluent and the shite coming out of it because we either use it as fertilizer or we use it as energy so have plenty of animals but then that might that affects the biodiversity side of your of your system or whatever really we'll come we'll leave that for now
1: yeah it's it's, the the moral hazard of it yeah so again you should always go upstream and you should solve the problem at the source but You know, food waste, for example, um, can be used for it. So there's an incredible core company called MyGug. And what they do is they use a local one where you can rot down your food at home and use the gas. So it's and this is where it's silver shrapnel. It won't solve everything. Yeah, we're going to need molecules. We kind of got used to them. We kind of got used to always being able to turn on our light switch. We'll always need molecules for that.
0: And, okay, so when it, sorry. just to get back to that, so the the food comes in of various types, as you say, hedge clippings and food waste and agricultural waste. You have to put a bit of electricity into the system to heat it up, I presume, or does it heat up itself because it's inside in the box? He's, a,
1: he's a, put it in an insulated silo and
0: it heats up itself. Heats up itself. So, again, you're not supplying anything apart from the cost of making a thing.
1: Yeah, and or then, monitoring yeah, it. Yeah, so that energy
0: is input based on bacteria maybe it's left out in the sun or it's in a room or whatever it's it's reasonably free in terms of yeah. the input and, and and that spits out some free uh some free in inverted commas hydrogen and co2 and what do you do with the co2 then is that what do you throw it into your soda stream no, th- <laughs> yeah.
1: just to clarify that so it, it, it's um there's hydrogen in it but it's in the form of ch4 it's more yeah. like methane rather than hydrogen But what you can do is, so in the future, we're still going to need carbon. So when we're looking at e-fuels, what we're trying to do is we're trying to combine carbon from the atmosphere with hydrogen to make a new form of fuel so that we can still fly. The other thing you can do is um, all the modeling out to 2050 would show that we need to have negative emissions. So what you do with that thing around the biomethane is you combine it with carbon capture and storage, and you'd put the carbon back onto the ground and lock it away forevermore.
0: All right. Okay. It's all happening.
1: <laughs> it is. See, and the whole thing is, it's like when you just bring it back to when the wind is blowing, we should do everything for electricity and that will solve all the problem. You're missing the well. One is missing the complexity of solutions that are out there to solve the complexity of problems that we have.
0: Yeah. And also all of this is teaching me just to look at. So when I look at precious things, I think of gold or silver and I think of precious elements are stuff don't lose that down the sink what's precious it's it's metal or uh, maybe it's rare earths or something like that it's useful in 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 my phone or whatever but i would never have i would never consider precious in terms of molecule before and it's kind of what i'm slowly learning that it still all comes back to energy and i really feel as something that's a bit of a hobby horse of mine there's real energy illiteracy amongst all of us where First of all, even though we were told many times energy can't be created, it can only be converted from one form to another. We see us swallowing an awful lot of energy bullshit, in terms of like cars. You know, oh, uh, yeah. it'll charge the battery from the braking, and it's like it can't do it that much because no. you're you're not getting the energy for for from nowhere. If you're getting energy from the friction of braking, you, you can't be making much charging a battery much from regeneration, but and yet it seems to have entered the, the 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 idea that, oh, there's free energy there. And but but the only the only true free energy is what comes from outside of the human system. Is that right? Like space or the wind or or maybe nuclear.
1: It 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 suppose it, it comes from the sun. You know, that's yeah. where our energy comes you know, you, you mentioned it earlier in relation to the energy from the sun, the radiation and the energy of creation of the wind, it's all converting in relation to it. I think the reason why we're kind of um, energy blind is because we didn't integrate it into our economic discussions when we were necessarily in school. We didn't have to consider the cost. So it was raw materials but it wasn't necessarily pollution in relation to it. It was acid rain. It was a separate piece um, for this school thing. The other piece on it in, in relation to energy is we don't see energy as an economic resource or we haven't in the past. And the most exciting policy change for me at the moment is the white paper that the Department of Enterprise have, where they're considering the role of energy as an economic resource our world world is set up around money and around capitalism. Mm. And I actually think we can affect more change by making a profit out of our abundant wind and, and solar opportunity in Ireland. And I think a co-benefit of it being protecting the planet. But if we have an economic driver for using our energy efficiently and using as much of it as we can, it's actually that driver that's going to help us do all the good things from a social viewpoint more so than if we said we need to save our planet.
0: Okay, I even think about my own energy literacy now. Like I think a lot of an awful lot more people say the word megawatt (laughs) in their lives now than used to because we're because we're seeing the generation of it. Like we think in terms of solar panels or wind turbines or whatever, even though power stations were the backbone of the country for many years, happily generating plenty of megawatts with yeah. no thanks, <laughs> but, but we kind
1: of we kind of always have, you know, like it's a grand day for drying, yeah. and, you know, getting home to get the clothes on the line. Yeah, like, so we have been energy literate. Yeah, but we just haven't really extrapolated it out and, and integrated it into more aspects of our everyday living.
0: Catherine, just to finish up, what are you most excited about working on and the people you're working with in the next year or so?
1: What's amazing is the impact that the energy transition is going to have, a positive impact on the types of jobs that people are going to be able to have in the future. The amount of um, engineers and scientists and technicians and storytellers and artists that are going to come together to help us create this new future and work together, we're going to see jobs emerge that have never existed before, like carbon accountants or um, eco-storytellers. And it's just wonderful to be in the core of it. Ireland is so centre stage. We could be the battery for Europe and we could create services that are going to mean we're securing an economic and green future for generations to come.
0: That seems like a very positive way to end. I can't wait for that. Uh, What a year it's going to be. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Looking forward to seeing all that comes out of that, the unintended benefits actually not to finish on a negative or anything in your job do you spend a lot of time looking out for unintended consequences maybe surprised you and went oh okay i didn't consider that i'll plug that into the system again just where you feel humbled by not knowing
1: yeah so it's wonderful so um you know parking the ego at the door is so important as we're creating this new future so I was chatting with our former colleagues from Ishka Erin, and we were talking about the need to plan our water system around the raw materials that are going to input into the hydrogen future. And being, you know, by the coast and seeing the water everywhere, I kind of forgot about that. Where is the water going to come from? How are yeah. we going to have enough water in the places where we need to combine with the wind
0: yes the water <laughs> yes. The, the H2O uh, in the H2 and O space
1: and I'm going ha you know if I forgot about that what else have I for-? but that's why it's fine because there's other people who are thinking about that so yeah. we're not going to do this in isolation we need to all work together
0: Okay, Catherine Sheridan, thank you so much for coming into the function room.
1: Delighted to have visited.
0: That was Catherine Sheridan there. You can find her on all the socials and at catherinesheridan.ie. If H2 is your thing, and let's face it, hydrogen is your thing, whether you like it or not, she's the woman to go to. She mentioned one book I'm definitely going to read, How the World Really Works by Václav Smil. So, thanks for listening to The Function Room. Spread the word, leave a review. If you have any comments, get in touch with me at colomoregan.com. But for now, bye-bye.